I am so excited to be here. My name is Bart Baggett, and you are watching Hack and Grow Rich. This is an audio podcast and a video podcast. And if you want to learn how to make more money, build your business, and take a shortcut to living a good lifestyle, this is the one. Uh, Shaheen is my co-host. We are testing some pretty new equipment tonight, so there might be a slight bird chirping in the background. So either Shaheen, you have an echo or you're holding a small bird. Remember that metaphor? Do you want one bird in the hand or, or two in the bush? Like you might just be that guy holding a bird. So if we have to stop and restart for audio, you let me know. I don't think anyone wants bush, Bart. I think that's very 1970s of you, maybe early 80s. So we'll Did I just mess up that metaphor. I feel like the metaphor is he holds the bird, and if you choose the bird, he crushes it. Uh, maybe I got my metaphors confused. But Shaheen Cheyenne is my co-host, and I got to tell you, I have been reading your books, young man. I had some time on the plane. I opened up to the part about you ending up in Japan at a secret yakuza event. And it's unbelievable. It feels like a James Bond movie. If you haven't read Shaheen's new book called Billion, seriously, go read it. I don't even believe that it's fiction. It feels like a James Bond movie. And that's and I know you so well because I know it's true. And I love that about you. Your life is, is uh, every bit 007. I appreciate that, Bart. Thank you. And for, for those of you guys who are tuning in for the first time, my co-host, Bart Baggett, is one of the world's leading experts in handwriting analysis. But not only that, I think we share a joint interest in what makes successful people tick. And I know Bart has written a, a very interesting book called Success Secrets of the Rich and Happy. And he's in the process of a program that's a fit for certain people um, who are looking to succeed. It's not for everybody uh, called Prism Life Design which is what Bart is doing. And I, I've heard really good things through the grapevine about Prism Life Design. So please make sure to, to check them out there. Bart, what are we gonna talk about today? You know, I have a lot of things on my mind, but I thought about talking about authenticity and how in today's environment, which is so different than it was in the 70s and 80s, when you could put an infomercial on the air, you could be the guy on a plane with models. Hey, come to Benny's seminar, you do can be rich and everybody, you know, it's like you kind of know it's not true, but there's really was not any accountability and authenticity. And I believe the pendulum has even turned. And I think for a lot of things, including stand up comedians and a lot of things, if people know you're crap, they just don't believe you. And so with the uh, there's really no fourth wall anymore between a celebrity or an, a mentor or even a business person. And, and we're seeing what's happening with that big company. I think it's Theranos where she's on trial because she raised oh, yeah. billions of dollars. I mean, talk about inauthentic. I mean, she basically lied to investors and not only did you know they lose a lot of money and now she can go to prison. But that entire uh, idea that you could just fabricate your way or fake your way into billions of dollars is really not a viable option. What happened? We work last year. Same thing. This guy's lying. He's making up numbers. He's padding the numbers. And the whole thing is a is a big um, pyramid scheme. The, the technically, it's not what that was, but it's a disaster. But if you're a smaller business, and I, I think I'm a smaller business, Shaheen, you probably would be mid-sized business, is when you're the product or you're the spokesperson, you're the CEO, there's just a certain level of authenticity that needs to be there that you can't fake. And so that's part of it. We're also going to get into some hacks into just business, growing your business, and we'll go for any questions from our Facebook page at all. So welcome if you're listening on Facebook or YouTube Live. We're trying this new format. It's called Restream. I'm digging it so far. We both can feel like we're in the same room. And um, yeah, I mean, you you have an interesting business regime because part of you're like me. Part of you are a public image, like with your Amazon consulting people. You're the guy, right? The podcast. But many of your businesses, no one knows your name like your real estate holdings, no one knows what you own. No one knows you're the CEO. Like, I like that. I like that ability to do a little bit of both where you want to be public and be public. If you want to be private and just pull the strings, no one knows. That's pretty clever too. Yeah, I, I agree. Let's, let's go back a little bit. And, you know, we often say this and a, a friend, a mentor of mine said this, uh, to me before is that wealth is best when, uh, made and I thought that was super interesting, Bart, because when I was young, I, I definitely wasn't doing it quietly. And as I get older and start thinking about that, about the acquisition of wealth and it incorporates into my life and, and what I oftentimes tell people about the two parts of 
creating wealth is that, well, there's two parts to making money. Part one is making it. Part two, which is equally as important and arguably more important, is keeping it. And that's really the, the I think, the important part about this whole thing. And if you want to make it quietly, um, you probably will be in, in just as good of a, a position as making it noisily. Now, sometimes you have to make noise. You have to be recognized. So one of the things that you brought up, which is very interesting, and I've been watching this, is this whole thing with Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. And I think she just had a trial as of this recording. Fascinating story. And I think the world is watching because they want to see her really slammed. They want to see this white, privileged, kind of blonde, perfect uh, Silicon Valley darling who turns out to be a fraud. We really have this need as people to have justice displayed in these ways. Similarly with Bill Cosby, sure, he's you know, he was he was alleged for doing all these terrible things. He did a lot of great stuff too in his lifetime. And so he was a, he was an important character, but that there's some redemption, I think, to the to the human psyche, to seeing these people who were once put up on a pedestal taken down. Now the the Holmes thing is fascinating and we can talk about this. And I've I've watched the Holmes trial and I've watched all the stuff where I, you know, I've been keeping up with the news and I saw that documentary that was made on her. And by the way, if you ever go on YouTube, there's hilarious videos that people have put up of her, allegedly of her speaking before her fame and during her fame. And the allegation is that she changed her voice to a, a more manly voice to be, to be better accepted. Now, the interesting thing about this is that she seemingly did everything right up until a certain point. And this is the thing that always kills me when I look at this. And I, I'm a big fan of the show American Greed. You ever watch that, Bart? Oh, it's a really, really a deep dive into some serious financial crimes. Yeah, totally. But you can, it's it's got the beats. You can, you can, you can watch it just and you know when the beats are coming. You're like, and this guy started off legitimately. He had all the best wishes in the world. And then he started a legitimate business. And then it just starts going down. And then he involved the mob and drugs and murder. And, and, and you're like, cue the horse. Bring on the prostitutes. Because that comes in exactly at like 23.2 minutes into the show. And then you're like, oh, I thought he was in How does How'd that work? And with her thing, she was so close. She had raised all those billions. They were doing this test, which was apparently supposed to get data from a single drop of blood. And my thought was, well, okay, they couldn't figure it out in a tabletop device. They had enough money to solve that problem eventually down the line. What they needed to do, and again, this is what I teach people all the time, is it ship with good enough and then put that later on in the pipeline. So what they should have done is said, okay, you know what, we've got this crazy technology, we're not gonna release any information aside from what, what's out in the press right now, and that's in development. But we're gonna compete now with Quest Diagnostics and with these other companies and come out with just a slightly better test, laboratory test, or even do the same test, but offer a little bit of better price value, offer a little bit better authority, maybe offer a little bit better service, yes, you don't become this amazing darling. You might lose a little bit of value, but you don't go to jail. And eventually, in time, with that money and bringing on the right scientists and the right people, you could blow that company up to be something else. Companies oftentimes start out as one thing and then turn into something totally different. And that's okay. I think where this whole thing with her went wrong was exactly what you said, these delusions of grandeur. People were putting her so high up on a pedestal that she really started to believe her own BS, allegedly, apparently, from what I'm watching. Obviously, don't know her or any of her people. But perhaps if she had better counsel and she had the, the right kind of people advising her, they would have told her, dude, like, you, you're doing great. You've raised these millions of dollars. Everybody believes in you. The investors believe in you. Your device sucks. It doesn't work right now, but that's okay. 
Let's put that to the side and you can work on that. In the meanwhile, focus on creating revenue. And, and partially, I have to say, that is partly the fault, not to say that she's not the fault and if she defrauded people and, and did illegal things that, that are alleged against her, then sure, surely she should you know, suffer whatever justice would be coming her way. And similarly with anybody else that I mentioned, if they've done bad things, they should, you know, face justice. But at the end of the day, she could have made some very minor tweaks to what, what she did, avoided the criminal activity and still been around today. And yeah, okay, maybe she wouldn't be worth $10 billion. She'd be worth $2 billion, but you can build up from that. You know, when you look at someone like Elon Musk and you look at the companies that he builds and you see how he goes up and then overnight you're like, oh my God, the guy's like, he's near broke. You know, he's putting his own cash in. And then the next day you watch him, you're like, oh my God, he's just beat Jeff Bezos to be the top billionaire. It's because he doesn't go for that kind of bullshit. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't play that game. And I think, I, I just think that's what was very interesting about this whole Elizabeth Holmes thing. I thought it was, it was super interesting. I mean, there are like career criminals. Like it wasn't Michael Milken. He did this junk bonds, but the, the, the guy in New York that literally created a Ponzi scheme for like 25 years. I mean, he, he went out and all of a sudden he's like, wow, I can never make 15% a year. I'm going to have to just doctor the books. And once he did that one year, he just did it for 20 years. Like, you know, that's going to fall. Yeah. I, I think, I think a lot of people, maybe even we work, maybe even homes, they start with good intention. They want to change the world. They do that. And then it's sort of like almost cheating. You, you get yeah. away with it and you're like, Whoa, I, I got away with it. But now, now what do I do? And all of a sudden now you have to lie because the, 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 the chips are so in that you're like, wow, if I tell the truth on this, I'm gonna lose my kids. I'm gonna lose my house. I see how people move in that. I just watched a YouTube video on that, on that topic. It was fascinating. Um, uh on on relationships and how that kind of goes so sideways so i'm not sure that they're inherently dishonest but i believe that if you had a policy or a mission statement to be transparent i think people are attracted i love the vulnerability of gurus these days uh, we've got mutual friends that are very open about their past drug addiction or their injuries or or the things that they've gone through and it's made them stronger rather than pretending that you're a perfect human being. And a lot of people connect with that story. I don't know if you saw this over the last weekend, Tony Robbins had like 100,000 people talk about his his five-year movie. And, I, and I've been a fan of his since I was 19 or 20, and I, and I really liked what he's done. But so many people were, were kind of broken, and they got therapy in this movie. And that brokenness, they're really transparent about you know, growing up in a cult, growing up in all that stuff. And I think people connect with it. Obviously, I didn't grow up in a cult. But but when you talk about these things that are so painful and so traumatic, there's a lot of people out there that connect with you. And so I, I have I've have, I have come to that conclusion that the more you can be transparent about your flaws, I think the bigger audience you're going to have, especially if you're in the self-help world or you're in the, the, the world where people are trusting you. Because you now you're one of the best things you do is, hey, can you keep a secret? listen, I, I got to tell you a secret. Like that is such a great trust builder if that's an authentic way to do that. And most of us are somehow the front person of our companies, especially those with social media presence, with books, with companies, they're buying the CEO. I mean, Theranos, if I spelled it correctly, they really bought her. They were investing in her all yeah. the way to the FBI prison. It's true. It's, it's true. More reason why... I oftentimes hear investors say they invest in people, not products. They invest in people, not companies. You hear that on Shark Tank a lot. A lot, yeah. But at the end of the day, it's super interesting because I think any one of us, you're, you're closer than you think to success and similarly closer than you think to failure. And the difference between that, like between the guy that just goes a little bit crooked and starts doing the Ponzi thing and the guy that decides to be on the up and narrow is really just like a very small difference. It's, it's interesting. We were talking about the show Billion, uh, Billions, I should say, with Daniel Lewis. This last season just finished. I think it's on Showtime. Spectacular show with uh, Paul Giamandis, I think you pronounce it. Giamante. Oh, he's such a good actor. Yeah, he's he's spectacular. And it, it's, it's a show where you have Axe, who's the lead in the show, 
And by the way, guys, if you want to learn about business strategy, if you want to learn about the markets and how things are traded, it's a very realistic show. I traded commodities, highly leveraged futures, options, those types of things for years. And when I look at that show, I'm like, man, it's, it's pretty spot on. They've done a lot of research. But one of the interesting things in that show, to my point, is that you've got Axe, who's this hedge fund manager, who's willing to do whatever it takes to succeed. And you've got Chuck Rhodes, who's the district attorney, who similarly has the law in his hands, but he's willing to do whatever it takes to succeed. And really, the, the interesting juxtaposition of these two characters really makes you think that they're two sides of the same coin. And I really believe this was written with the structure that these two guys are, in fact, the same person because they both share the exact same qualities and one cannot survive without the other. So it, it, it's a really interesting thing for you guys who want to watch it. Check it out. Check out the show Billions. It's on Showtime. Spectacular show. But what we wanted to talk about today is authenticity. And really, how do you make people care about you? So very interesting point. I, I oftentimes talk about sales, influence. You know, we've talked about Robert Caldini's work on influence here. And I'll give you a really interesting example. So last night here in Venice Beach, super cool. It feels like things are opening up again. There was a Burning Man rave randomly. Thousands of people on the beach, great music playing, people just enjoying themselves. There was almost none of the COVID tension that we had before. You know, before you'd like bump into somebody and they're getting ready to kill you. Now it was like, oh, everybody was chill. People were burning sage and dancing on the boardwalk. It was spectacular. I, re I really enjoyed it. Two, one of the most spectacular sunsets I think ever. And I looked as I was, I, I like to skate. So I skate down the boardwalk sometimes, just listening to my podcasts or listening to my audiobooks. And there's this dude with this massive mohawk. And I remember seeing this guy, and he was filming something with his student. And I remember seeing this guy on a Vice documentary. And this guy, Bart, this, this will be interesting for you too, was one of the last, or is one of the last remaining PUAs, which stands for Pickup Artist. Do you remember in the 90s, that book, or it was in the early 2000s, that book, The Game, with Neil Strauss and that, that guy? You know, I'm actually mentioned in The Game. Like, I think I've mentioned this before. Are you really? I was, yeah, I was, friends, I, I was friends with the author, and I went to a party, and he dropped my name in there. Uh, before we move on, hilarious, the predecessor to him was one of my friends that started this whole pickup women movement. He also studied NLP, which is what Tony Robbins and a lot of people work. But one of the quotes he used to always say on TV shows, and he really taught me how to do radio and TV back when I was in my early 20s. He said, chapter two is called How to Fake Like You're Warm and Friendly. <laughs> and this was this was his pickup women book. And I always thought that that was so funny that he had to put in a chapter like how to fake like you're warm and friendly. I thought that was brilliant. So yeah, there are still a big community of that. I don't think they've gone anywhere. They've just gone a little bit more authentic and not quite as manipulative as it 25 years ago when they were using hypnosis and all that kind of stuff. But yes, back to your story. Green-haired guy, Mohawk, teaching yeah. dudes so how to create connections with women. Yeah, and this is an older dude. He's probably, I don't know, 40s, 50s. I mean, maybe, maybe closer to 50s. And he's doing all that stuff that they did back in the 90s. You know, peacocking where they wear something crazy just so girls talk to him and be like, hey, man, Mohawk, and then it initiates the conversation and using these like really old timey tactics. And it occurred to me that this person, who I'm sure a wonderful human being, I don't know him, I don't know anything about him other than what I saw on the documentaries, that is fighting for relevance and that the of whatever tactic is that he's employing in that moment is lost by, by just his his ego and his desire to maintain relevance even though the rest of the world has moved on the standing around him were wearing like all black and their hair was slicked back and they had gold chains and stuff and i remember thinking to myself like dude like look around you people don't look like that here this is the beach people are chill 
And it was interesting to see somebody like that who probably would have done better just being whoever the authentic person was under all that than doing that. But he had a vested interest in that personality that he had built. And the people around him, you know, and these guys always have two or three like younger guys who are like, oh yeah, I want to learn how to pick up chicks. And, and they're doing that. But the world has moved on. People are online. People are on apps. People are on Tinder. It, people don't really care so much about those old school tactics that a lot of these guys employed in those days. So well, COVID may have wiped away their whole business model because, I mean, the, the idea of social dynamics, and which is not a bad concept, is that you're not told how to enter a social situation and then create attraction, create status, create the illusion that people want to meet you. And if you're not a good looking guy or you don't have money or you don't have status walking in, it's fun to be able to create that illusion. It's almost like great copywriting in a sales letter. You're creating the illusion that this product is scarce. Robert Cialdini, scarcity, contrast, all those things. So no, I don't have a beef to pick with the psychology behind it, but it's true. Is it relevant right now? It might not be. And, um, and I want to hear the end of the story because it's fascinating to me that they're still out doing these things where these days, anybody under 30 doesn't meet people in real life, at least not after COVID. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Well, I, I think, you know, there really isn't much of an end to the story other than, you know, I, they, they looked out of place. And I think the majority of the people there or the women who they were trying to attract were not really interested in what they were selling. I'm sure those guys know what they're doing and it's a numbers game for them to a great degree. So if they approach enough women, eventually somebody will say yes and they will they will have success. They've, they've worked that out. Or some of these guys from back in the day when I was just studying it from a sales standpoint, I realized that a lot of them make a lot of money selling the courses to other guys. No one's going to verify if those guys are actually getting lucky. And they make a lot of money. They charge $2,000, $3,000, $5,000 to some guy who has no idea. And they just teach them some tactics that make them a little bit more socially active. And some of them have valuable systems. But what's going on around you in business, which is where I think this You could be that guy standing there with a mohawk when all the other guys are getting lucky on the apps, when all getting lucky on Tinder and Bumble and whatever the top app are, you, you see how far away I am from understanding what those are. I've been married for 12 years now, so, and I never did the online dating thing. But, you know, you, you see that they're, they're hanging on to something that no longer exists. And I see that a lot in people I code for, is that they build a version of themselves. And I'm sure you see this too in your in your prism life design and the people that you coach part is that they build people will build a outward impression themselves for the world to see that may have at one point served them that no longer is serving them not only that it is killing any relevance that they might have and what they need to do is to break that habit of being themselves if they want to get ahead. And I don't know, have you all through any of the people that you coach, teach, or train? Well, I mean, this is a big can of worms because I'm very familiar with that community and my first books and relationships. So I understand that if in the dating world, um, if you're not attractive, meaning people aren't finding you attractive, you have to go change your narrative and change your approach. Otherwise, you're going to get the same results as like hitting head against a wall. So there is techniques to be more confident, to be more charming, to be more charismatic. And, and, and I'm really happy that this, this industry showed up to teach me how to do that. I think the answer goes back and has to relate to businesses. Are you looking for long-term relationships or are you looking for one-night stands? In my business, I want long-term, lifelong customers. 
you know, we took a people, we took people to Costa Rica 15 years ago, and those people that went are still following this, still open email, they show us up to Zoom classes. Like I've got people that heard me on Howard Stern in 1999 that are still opening newsletters. That's a long-term relationship. You see them at seminars. That's where I met in my life. However, if I was just selling stocks or like Jordan Peterson or trying to get a quick hit on a stock, I may not need to, to take the more authentic long-term approach. I personally would because I care, but I'm not in a position when I'm 22 and hungry and trying to make a million dollars and tape it on someone's breast and sneak her off to Costa Rica like the movie. Thank you very much, Leonardo DiCaprio. So I think the question is the same thing with relationships. If you're just trying to get LAID and you're trying to seduce some woman to think you're very interesting that evening, that's a different relationship than if you're actually having a relationship over many, many months or years, which is different because whatever you put on your Tinder profile, if it's so inauthentic, they're going to discover you. And so, I mean, since this show's about business, I'd rather just lean it that way. Long term, you have to be authentic. Like, I like you a lot because you're authentic. I know some of your numbers. I know, Shaheen, how much money you make in some of your businesses. And I can tell you and my our listeners, if Shaheen says this is going to work on Amazon, if this is going to work with a patent, he's been down that road. There's nothing inauthentic about you or I wouldn't have even done this podcast with you. And the same thing. I do my best to be real and candid. Yes, I'm doing this and I'm a handwriting expert and I've done seminars and I've done this for many, many years. Am I a billionaire? No. If you want to be a billionaire, go hire somebody else. I can't tell you that, but I can help you become a millionaire. I can help you invest in real estate. I can help you launch podcasts. A lot of things I can do, but, but I like the more authentic approach to being a guru rather than, you know, acting like you have all the answers, which you never really do. Beware of the man with all the answers. That guy will take your shirt and sell it. <laughs> wow. That's really good. That's actually really good. Quote. True. And speaking of authentic, I've been drinking cloud water. You know what, Bart? This stuff's really grown on me. I actually went to a local health food store and they have it. For you guys who don't know, we're doing a bunch of big pieces on CBD. And I know you really enjoyed the flavor of the cloud water. Which I, I did. I, CBD. I, the only thing that bothered me, if it didn't have as much sugar, I'd be a huge fan. But I think that if they can get a sugar-free version, I'll do it because I'm basically sugar-free and uh, more of a keto diet and, and I don't eat much sugar or, or, or gluten. Yeah, I agree with that. But this is raw honey, so I'm, I'm pretty happy with this. It's funny because yeah. one of my favorite brands, Cavitas, which I always buy those things. I buy them forever. Turns out, yeah, and Cavitas is this minted drink. It's They have kombucha now, but it wasn't kombucha. It was like a drink with fermented cultures in it, allegedly. And it was very low sugar. It was like zero to four grams, something like that, I remember. Oh, super low. All of a sudden, I'm at the store. Yeah, I'm at the store, and I'm buying it. And I'm buying the big girls. I'm like, great. And I get home. My stomach feels a little funny from drinking. And I'm like, wow, this isn't the usual thing. And I'm looking at it, and it's got quite a bit of sugar. They they changed it to like seven grams. I went on the course, it's been bought by Pepsi, which I've got nothing against except for, for sugar water, which I don't espouse in any way. But I was like, dude, like, really? Like, they, you know, they buy it and they add sugar to something that didn't have sugar in it before. It was pretty disappointing. So I don't know if anybody from Cavitas is watching this or anybody from PepsiCo is watching this, but guys, let's, let's get that back to no sugar. The other three products that I want to talk about today, which we talked about before, are these CBD products that I'm actually quite enjoying. So there's this one called Hemp Fusion, which they sent us, which I really liked. I took this last night and I slept really well. Um, so I'm going to try a little bit of this again. Um, I like it because they don't flavor this one, Bart. Remember you had one that was kind of flavored. This one's a full spectrum one. It just tastes like salad oil, like hemp oil. Mm -hmm. But I, I think it's really delicious. The flavored ones I enjoy, but I actually like, if I'm having something, I want to have that thing. And I don't mind the, the taste of hemp. And there's another one that came to us from our friends at Ojai Energetics. This is a super high quality one. I want to get the CEO and the chief scientist of this company on. They, they contacted me and they're excited about coming on. So we're going to get them on to interview. This one looks a little more viscous. I think it's got some different Chinese herbs in it. Um, 
this one has a much stronger flavor. So this is one where we're really good, but I, I think, I think they got to do a little bit of work with the flavors. I know I said I like the other one because it didn't have a flavor, but this one has also like an Earl-like flavor, but it feels like it would work better. I don't know if that's just me. I feel like if something doesn't taste as appetizing that it should work because it's like medicine. <laughs> like Listerine, the harder it's got to be horrible. It's not going to get rid of your bad breath. Horrible. Yeah. And the final one from Receptra Labs, which is a, one of the best ones. I use this for training and I gave it to my instructor at my jujitsu academy and to the guys at the jujitsu academy. So they, these guys have three. This is the relax one, but they have a sleep one. I think, I think you get in a box of the sleep mask. Um, and they have one for recovery. So there's relax and sleep. And that's Receptra Labs. This one, let me take a little taste. Oh, wow. This one is in between these two. So this one actually has a really nice flavor. You've taken three drops in the last 10 minutes. Are you going to fall asleep now? Like, what is the effect this is going to have on you in the next 30 minutes? Well, considering it's late in a little bit, these are hopefully will give me the best night's sleep of my life. I really find CBD being very effective for you guys know cbd is an extract of the hemp plant and what it is is it's a lot of the great stuff in there without the psychoactive property so you get pretty much everything else except for the thc which gives you the high so it's basically if you enjoy relaxation sleep any of that one of these companies will we'll include their link in the show notes cloudwater of course I'm sure you can get it at most health food stores, but you can also get it by subscription. This hemp fusion product is, you know, from their packaging, I looked at the packaging. The packaging looks very corporate. It doesn't look like the fun, happy stuff. So I, I didn't think this would be that great. It's actually really good quality stuff. It comes in a frosted glass bottle. This one's actually really good. The Ojai Energetics, like I said, the, the effects of it, the benefits of this, I've had one of the best nights sleep of my life and the best relaxation. Um, the flavor is something I think they should work on, and we'll have a conversation with their CEO and their chief scientist to tell us more about that. That one is certified organic. I'm not sure if the rest of these are. And then Receptra Labs, which was my choice for <clears throat> heavy activity, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, running, swimming, any of that stuff. So I thought I'd mention those, those products on there uh, as far as like one of the hottest new natural products categories in the market. So if you guys aren't taking it, yeah, and check it, out. And if you own a company that you want us to do a product review, send us over some stuff because if it if it's sort of in the hacking area, whether it's health or finance or something, even like a financial, we'll take a look at it. I mean, the whole goal here is see if we can shortcut this path. Uh, even when I was reading your book recently, Shaheen, I mean, that stuff happened in early 90s. I can't believe how much experience you have in your brain for 20, 28 years in business. And I'm the same way. I've been in business for 30 years. Like I forgot more about TV and radio and publicity and direct response and home shopping network. I mean, all this stuff, we're, we're here for you. So if you want to call in or drop us a question or even a product, we'll be glad to help you with that. Because I think between the two of us, we could figure out a shortcut to save you uh, 10 or 15 years of struggle because nobody wants that. I don't have time for it anymore, quite frankly. We're too old. But if you're 25 listening, you better jump on it and don't uh, don't have a disaster because that'll set you back 10 years. Yeah, it's true. It's true. And I oftentimes get asked what I would tell the younger me. And it's difficult because I know the younger me wouldn't listen. So I have to think about what I would tell the younger me to make me listen. And it brings me back to really, truly, genuinely to influence. Like there's better art or skill than you can learn in the process of creating wealth and how to influence. The only other one I could possibly imagine is the ability to learn quicker and better. But that's kind of like the the genie wish. You know, like I asked my kid, I'm like, hey, if you had uh, 10 wishes, what would you wish for? He'd be like, well, first I would ask for a million more wishes. That's what learning to learn better or learn quicker is. 
And there's one hack I found in the last few years to learning quicker, and that's finding a activity that you absolutely are fascinated by. And the reason for that is if you have an activity that you're absolutely fascinated by, you will want to learn more. And by learning and approaching a level of proficiency and later a, a level of mastery in that particular skill, whatever it is, be it martial arts, be it sports, be it whatever it may be, hopefully it'll be something that will tax your body and put you in a stressful situation for a brief time, a controlled stressful situation. You pick up the skill of learning quicker and then you can apply it to other areas of your life. And I've seen people do this in all areas of life very effectively. It's, it's kind of like a workaround hack, Bart, where if you wanted to become better at real estate, maybe you don't start learning intensively about real estate right away. What you do is you start learning about real estate, but you find something else unrelated that you're super fascinated by and you gain the skill of how to learn from that and then apply it to your business in real estate. It was uh, someone, I, I think they attribute this to Abraham Lincoln, but I'm not sure they asked him, hey, if I gave you a ax and 10 hours to cut down this tree, how would you do it? And he said, well, I would spend nine hours sharpening the ax and one hour cutting down the tree. That's a good metaphor. I, I think sharpen the saw was one of uh one of the famous books in the in the 80s or 90s in the self-help area of business. Um, but I couldn't think that's more true. I mean, the skill set that we use in every business we start, Shaheen, is very similar. I was having a conversation with our uh, number one salesperson in India. As you know, we've got a big company over there. And we realized that anytime we launch something, if we have great salespeople, it succeeds. If we don't, it doesn't succeed. <coughs> The ability to have people sell, they have people to build rapport. Give an example. We have 10 classes a day in India on Zoom ever since the COVID thing, right? Nine to 10 classes a day, free classes. And there are the same people that are constantly making the money and the other people are not making the sales. Same audience shows up. We're talking about, talking about split testing. It's exactly the same. But the people that have better rapport better influence, better ability to ask what's important. They're the people that move on up the chain and say, hey, I want to learn more. How do I get certified? And it's in any business at all. So the same thing, even your Amazon business, if you've got certain pages that sell better because you got better copywriters. And so on the internet, it's almost copywriting or it's spokespeople. But in real life, if you can figure out if your offer is decent and you've got good salespeople, you can then scale that and have a hundred salespeople, or you could scale that and make it a video, a video sales letter. There's ways to do it. Now, if you got a dog offer and nobody wants it, let's say you're trying to sell calligraphy. Like that's not really relevant in 2021 than it might've been in 1933 or rotator phones is clearly phone books. Like you're not going to be able to sell phone books. We know the offer is bad, but a lot of people just never take the turn, take the time to learn the psychology of influence or the psychology of sales persuasion. And because of that, they always take jobs, and they're never in charge because the people that can move product will always get the highest revenue in any company, even sometimes more than the president. I've known people that they pay yeah. their sales people more than they pay themselves because they can do something they can't do. Now, in the end, if you're selling your company, that's obviously not the best strategy, but if you're young, and you can take the time to learn how to sell. That is a great investment. I remember Tom, not Tom Hopkins, a Zig Ziglar. I think he's been gone many years, but my dad would have me read these books. And I said, I don't understand. This book is about this guy selling pots and pans. He's like, it doesn't matter yeah. if he's selling pots and pans or encyclopedias. The lessons in that book and the lessons you would learn if you ever had the balls to go sell pots and pans door to door. <laughs> which I never did, by the way, maybe if I did, I'd be more successful Then that skill set of taking rejection of getting up, handling rejection, overcome call reluctance, that will take you a long way. And the skill set I learned many, many years selling handwriting analysis, which is nothing anybody's begging, knocking on the door. The same skill set has worked wonders in other businesses, the ad words and the sales and the sales copy and the way all the stuff I'm doing now. I mean, people may know me as the handwriting expert from 10 years ago, but most of my revenues from other things, but the same skill set 
is applied to other businesses. So I'm very happy I learned how to public speak and to to uh, be influential in a way that's non-salesy and non-swarmy. I like that word, swarmy, non-swarmy. Don't be swarmy. Let's be authentic. Don't be swarmy. That's interesting. And I, I think we'll... Uh we can end this with, uh, I've got a crazy India story. So Gazmand in Canada is actually asking us, what book do you recommend for learning influence? My recommendation, and we'll ask part two, my recommendation is Robert Caldini's Influence. And it's really bar none, the, the, the canon of influence. And subsequent to that, I recommend Persuasion. They're both available on Audible, and I strongly recommend them. Outside of that, I'm going to do a shameless plug for my book, Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult. I talk a lot about influence and persuasion and how to use it in the current political economic climate. So make sure you check out my book. Gaz, I hope that you've checked out my book or are going to check it out by now. I know it's available in Canada now. Also just dropped on Audible. So I'll tell you, we were in India, and I was there with my partner, Ben, who is a black African man. And we didn't realize this, but we checked into one of the fanciest hotels there. I believe it was called the Oberoi. We have a lot of people is under our hotel was four or $500 a month, and we were late. So we checked into the hotel. And we had this beautiful Brahmin princess with the whole sari and the outfit and everything there at the front desk greeting us. And the second she saw my partner, she noticeably had uh, uh, several micro expressions of like very uh, unfavorable expressions on her face, should we say. So we said, okay, no problem, whatever. It's, we're, we're exhausted. We're just going to go check into the room. So we got, she said, first off, I don't have two rooms for you. I only have you booked in one room. I said, fine, we're buddies. We can share a room. She said, okay. So she gives us the room. Now, mind you, this is a grand hotel. This is the Taj Mahal of Delhi, like marble floors, beautiful everything, the, the storybook things, you know. So we're like, all right. So we walk down the hallway, and then we got to go down a stairs, and then we look to another stairs, and we're like, this doesn't look like an official stairs. It looks like the back way to something. We go down the back way and we're like, this can't be room whatever it was, say 21B. We're like, this can't be room 21B. And we look at the door and it's a handwritten number on this door. And we're like, all right, all the other ones had the key cards, the magnetic key cards that let you in. We actually had a key. So we open it up. And as we open the door, two mops hit the floor. And there are two of the dirtiest beds you have ever seen in your life hanging out there and we're starting to think that this young lady who at first couldn't find our reservation then couldn't find both reservations really didn't believe that we belonged in the main hotel and my friend who's very chill was like whatever man let's just sleep we'll get another hotel tomorrow no need to you know raise a ruckus and i was infuriated by the fact I was like, dude, we're paying four or five hundred bucks a night. That's a lot for for Delhi. You know, you go to you go to India often, Bart. That's a lot of money per night for a place oh, yeah. like that. And it seemed that that this might not be to the par of the rooms that they have. So grabbed our bags, went up to the front. The girl was nowhere to be seen. I asked for a manager. The manager said, "Which room are you in?" And we said, "Well, you know, twenty one A." And he looks at me and goes, we don't have a room 21A. And I hear him talking to one of the other guys. She had put us in the service closet of like when somebody visits and also the, I don't know, the cleaning crew, someone, something stays there. And that's where she had put us because when the guy gave us the new room, we walked into the new room and dude, this was like the bidet, the marble, the all, right. Yeah, it was, it was, there was a bowl of fresh fruit waiting for us. It was gorgeous. And it just made me think of one of the philosophies, kind of unrelated to what we're talking about, but kind of related, that I often say that the most expensive thing is to be poor. And in this particular case, I think 
we were we were raggedy when we came into this hotel. We we definitely weren't looking like you know we were wealthy businessmen conducting business in this country. And sure, she must have been racist, and she must have been all those things, bigoted, racist, whatever, trying to put us in our place, whatever it was. But at the end of the day, when you look successful, when you feel successful, when you present as successful, people want to put you in the category of success. And when you don't, you might fall into the category of being poor and people will treat you like you're poor, even if you're not. So a very mm -hmm. important lesson was learned there um, in that in that time. And that was the last time we stayed at that hotel, but it was it was uh, a, a funny event to have somebody actually put you in a in a in a very humbling situation like that. Good. L let me answer the Gazmed's question. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. I think I reference Robert Cialdini's core work so often when I do sales training. But my initial training in neurolinguistic programming, originally from Rex Sykes and some other great people, I think was the foundation of communication. So there's a lot of books and, and, and literally one of my partners in, in, in India trains and certifies NLP. Like you can get it anywhere. But the problem is not they're all not that very good. So I got two references for you. First is a little NLP course that's really hard to find, but language and Ericksonian hypnosis is to me one of the best hacks because it teaches you how to be a great copywriter and it teaches you how to do that. So I'll show you one of my buddies who um, has a really great course. In fact, I originally got my first uh, NLP training sitting next to him in the same seminar. Uh, it's called uh, Mastery Insight. I'll just share my screen real quick. Um, Jonathan Altfeld's his name, and he is just an exquisite language expert. And so if you want to learn and get certified NLP, he's got a training called NLP Sales Wizardry. And I love this program. And I wish, you know, there's not a lot of people that I really recommend because of integrity factors and other things. But if you're interested in learning NLP and overcoming objections, you really need to find someone that's a master NLP and that understands objections, et cetera. So that's like the core structure of language. And like the guy named Kendrick Cleveland is really good. There's a lot of really amazing people that can do that. There's another reference that just for fun though, is my good buddy, Simon Leslie. And he went on tour recently and he is the CEO of one of the largest publishing companies in the airline industry. Um, and he has a book called, There's No F in Sales which of course means there's no F in sales. What do we do, you know? And so if you want to learn about that, it's a big pink cover and uh, he's a great British guy. He actually, I met him because he flew me over to train his salespeople in NLP and handwriting analysis almost 10 years ago. And uh, it's a great book. So, so Gazmet, if you want to be a great read, and the thing I like about him, and this is a great example of Simon, he's somebody who definitely should have on the show, Shaheen, if you don't know him, is that he has a company with a business partner. And his business partner creates all these amazing magazines for American Airlines and does great stuff, right? And he's the sales guy. And it's a perfect partnerships because he does all the creative stuff and Simon manages the sales team. And most partnerships are like most marriages. They probably shouldn't have started in the first place, but it happened to be so good because Simon loves to sell. He loves to hire people. He's great at it. And so that's another really inspirational thing. And I think you can get no F in sales in Amazon as well. His name's Simon Leslie. So those are my two suggestions. And Gasman, thanks for listening, man. Hit, hit subscribe. Thanks for the text. Thanks for the message. And we love uh, engaging with you because I've written um, about five books. Shaheen's written a few. We, we, we love reading. We've got friends that have written books, but we're going to give you the very best advice we can. And uh, sales, that's something that you, know, you can always get better at, always sharpening the saw on learning how to influence people with integrity. Um, because if someone's sitting on the phone with me and I know that I can't help them, I'll refer them and say, look, I'm not the right person to hire. You need to go somewhere else. But if I feel like I can help them, I need to have the skill set to persuade them to say, yes, I'd like to hire you. Here's my credit card. Let's do this. And you need to have that skill set and confidence that you can take them to the promised land, whatever that may be, whatever you're selling. That's my answer, Sheen. That is it. Thanks, Gazman, for uh, shooting us a message on Facebook. Yeah, I love that. I love that. All right, guys. So I think that wraps up.
up our show for this evening. If there's any new topics that you guys want to see us cover, if there's any new products that you want us to see, be it CBD related or not CBD related, let's talk about that. We'll have a special guest next week on the show. If there are any products you want us to review, just reach out to us and we'll send you all the information for proper submission. And make sure to check out Bart. Bart, how can people find you? Yeah, so go to getbartsbook.com. G-E-T, get Bart's book, and download this for free, man. It's my gift to you. You can obviously buy stuff on Amazon, but I'd love to have you on my email list and learn more about me at bartbaggett.com. And yourself, you got an Amazon course, which I'm looking forward to joining next year because I, I need a third business or an eighth business. How many businesses do I have? I feel like it's time to build another one, Shaheen. Yeah, well, got to have that side hustle and the side hustle to the side hustle. MSI is multiple streams of income. We talk about it and we teach it on Amazon Mastery. If you guys want to join all the people who are now becoming successful, selling products, creating recurring revenue so they don't have to sell their effing hours. I haven't dropped a single F-bomb and promised to my eight-year-old on the entire show, so I'm very proud of that. Well done, but if sir. You, I know. Thank you, sir. But if you want to learn how to create predictable recurring revenue on the Amazon platform, Check us out. I got a one-hour course. It'll only cost you $1,200. No, wait, $500. No, wait, $200. This is called reductive selling, by the way. Works marvelously on stage. Nope, nope, I can't do it, Bart. I like you guys way too much. On this show, for listeners of this show only, I'm going to offer you the one-hour course teaching you everything you need to know from A to Z of how to start an Amazon business, get your product out there. How do you get reviews? How do you even find a product to sell? Reach out to me on fbasellercourse.com or email me directly. It's d-a-r-k-z-e-s-s at gmail.com. Let me know you heard it on the show. I will give you that course, the $1,200 course that went down to $500 and immediately went down to $200 for free. You will get that for free. You will notice people doing this on stage. Reductive selling. It's brilliant. Everybody does it. Tony Robbins does it. Grant Cardone does it. All the great salespeople out there right now do it. I'll teach you how to do it. I'll teach you not only how to do that, how to make money on the Amazon platform while you're sleeping, Amazon Mastery. Reach out to us. Go to shaheenshan.com. My book, that recently dropped Billion, How I Became King of the Thrill Pill Cult. Get the first chapter for free on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Guys, if you are watching us on social or YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Make sure to leave us a review. If you love us or if you hate anything that we've said, make sure to leave us a review. We appreciate all your input. And make sure to subscribe to this podcast, wherever podcasts are found. And we will catch you guys next week. Bart, thank you so much. See you next week, guys. Thanks for joining in, all you guys. Bye-bye now.